temple would point to Jesus Christ. And so again, few sources of artificial light, so when you would have that huge light, it would really get people's attention. Now what was behind this? What was behind this is, is the remembrance that God had led his people through the wilderness for those 40 years. In Exodus chapter 13, we're told that God did so as a pillar. During the day, he was a pillar of cloud. They're going through the hot desert. And most, you know, and I had this mindset that this pillar would be in front of them and going off and they would follow. But as I studied the scripture, I really believed that this pillar would be over them. And they would be under the shadow of God's wings. And as it was time to go, the glory would rise up out of the tabernacle and it would hover over them and they would know that it's time to pack things up. It's time to move once again. And so they would do so, and then when they were prepared, then God would lead them out as they would huddle under this pillar of cloud, or by night, it was a pillar of fire. They would either stay cool from the sun or warm during the evening time. You know how deserts can be. It can be so hot during the day, kind of like California right now. It can be so hot during the day, but so cold at night. But as long as they were under the shadow of God's wings, they'd be blessed. Now, a dynamic about that is, is that you go wandering off. And we see that as a reality, unfortunately, in our Christian lives that, well, we can grow so comfortable, but take it so for granted, the protection of God. And we can wander out from his glorious light into outer darkness. But God is always there, and he always allows us to come back in. Now, a pillar of fire, as well as the menorah, there's some pictures here, especially just think of it as the light. The light, well, the light, it speaks of God's consuming holiness. His consuming holiness is his absolute purity. This is why mankind can just simply not approach a holy God apart from Jesus Christ. It's because God is pure and God is holy. And, and man, we, it's not just so much that I committed this sin or that sin. It's that I've got a sinful nature. The good that I want to do, I don't always find myself doing. The bad that I don't want to do, sometimes I find myself practicing. And it's this dilemma that Paul dealt with in Romans chapter 7, and it's a remembrance to us all that we're imperfect people. And matter of fact, Paul, as he's going on and on and on, it seems like he's digging a pretty deep pit for himself, but then he comes to that great testimony of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, for those who are in the light of Jesus Christ. And so we have this rich picture of God's consuming holiness that the only way that mankind is able to approach this holy God is through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. Secondly, light is a picture of the Shekinah glory of God. Now the word Shekinah, it just simply means the revealed glory the revealed glory of God, because as they were wandering through the wilderness, as I said earlier, the tabernacle, kind of a portable temple, it would be set up. And when it was set up, according to God's plan, according to his specifications, then the glory of God would inhabit it. Now, when they would see that the light was in this tabernacle, they would realize that God is dwelling amongst us. Well, Jesus Christ is that light. And as we see Christ, that he has come, and he had dwelt amongst us, we realized that God truly was with us. It reminded them, the Jews, and reminds us that God is the leader of his people, that God leads us through these dark days and the difficult times that we enter in. 
when it seems like we're being overwhelmed, whatever it might be, that we have light of God, light of the Lord to guide us. We have his word, his word that is that lamp unto our feet. And it also reminds us of the protective care of God. I can stumble and fall in the darkness, but when I have light, then my path is illuminated and my way is laid out for me. All of these things, all of these things are personified in Jesus Christ. See, it was God's intent that there would be only one thing that mankind would see when we would look up into the sky, and that would be the creation of God that reminds us of the hand of God. In Psalm 8, verses 1 through 4, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Well, there was that time in history when there were some wise guys who were looking up into the sky. They were the Magi, the Magi back in the area of Babylon, and they were expecting a king. Why were they expecting a king? Because the light had reached there. Not so much the glory of God as we've been talking about, but the witness of God's people. Back in Daniel's day, he he certainly spoke of this God, this God of Israel who has done great things. But also... Alfred Edershine, a scholar, wrote that there were more people living in the area of Babylon than there was even in Israel during Jesus' day. And so the word was there and the witness went out and something, somehow, some way, God sparked something in this men to be looking into the sky. And then there came this time that they, they saw the star and they saw that something very special was going on. And so they realized, they understood that this is something supernatural and they took it to mean and they were right that there is to be a new king that is to be ordained. Now I saw a member of our church and actually a couple of people put it on Facebook. It was, I think it was last Friday, last Friday night. There was some kind of rocket or something in the sky. Because I mean, I, I think if, you know, if Jesus' star appeared, they probably would have put that on Facebook, but that wasn't around back then, I don't think. But, you know, we had this occurrence. Uh, again, I think it was a rocket, and it, it got everybody's attention. What is that? There's just something different that's going on here. And it got people's attention to such a degree that they're asking questions, they're talking to one another. Well, this really got the Magi's attention, this star that was in the sky, this light that brought them to the Christ child. And you have a picture here. You have a picture of our purpose. We're to be that light. We're God's stars. We're what he uses to decorate, what he uses to decorate this world for the purpose of illuminating mankind in darkness through our witness that they would come and they would seek the Christ. So this light, this light is not to be hidden but this light is to truly be let out. Jesus spoke of that in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. He says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16 is the result. Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're in the time of lights. We got a neighbor down the street. And the only reason that he saved this in my sight and that he has a nativity in his front lawn. But he has got LED lights all over his house. And they're blinking on and off. And they're those kinds that you can kind of set a pattern in the whole thing. And this guy just went all out in it. And it just reminds me of Christmas's past, especially as a kid. It's when the lights came out that you were reminded the time is truly coming. That Christmas is just around the corner. And our neighbors, it would seem like it all happened on the same day. Back then in the 60s, I don't know if it started right after Thanksgiving. I just don't really remember. But it seemed like everybody on the street would be putting their lights all out at the same time. It was one of those things, if one light goes out, then they all go out. And so we'd all be getting together and helping one another and all of that. We would be excited. My brother and I, we'd be a little bit embarrassed, though. Because my dad, he was a blue light guy. I don't know why. But we only had blue lights. Everybody else, they had these wonderful colored lights on their house. And we just had these blue lights every year. We complained about it, and he compromised. He put one year blue light, and every other light was a green light. It didn't really appease us. But again, there was that light. When the lights came out, we knew that something special was coming. Well, in John chapter 1, I read it this morning, but the apostle John... He spoke of Jesus Christ. He spoke of the Word and who the Word was, but he also spoke of our purpose. In John chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, he says, All things were made through him, speaking of the Lord, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Why? Because light always overcomes darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. It's the same thing we're called to do. I don't know if the moon's out tonight, but the moon doesn't give off light. The moon reflects light, and sometimes it really reflects light. It's the same thing that we're to do. Because as we are reflecting the light of the Lord Jesus Christ to this dark nation, light always overcomes darkness. Now, don't come to me after service and tell me, oh yeah, what about black holes? Because that just messes up my illustration. Somebody did that once. Now, what about black holes? I don't know. I don't really know what a black hole is, nor do I really care. Get the point here. And we need to get the point here because we can get lost in in our intelligence. Sometimes we become foolish. And so what I want to do is, I I looked at this last year, but I want to look at the witness that this solitary star was back in the Magi's day as Jesus was being born on that very first Christmas Eve. Now keep in mind, that star, it was probably there for quite a long time. I don't recall exactly, but I think it was about a three-month journey or so to go from where they were to where Jesus was. And so they had to have time to see the star, to recognize the star, and make the decision to follow the star. So that star didn't just show up on Christmas Eve. It was there for a while. And so here they come. They make the decision to come. And so that star, that star achieved its purpose. Now, I looked it up. Stars are not all the same. For the most part, they look the same, but the scientists who look at them in telescopes, they have discovered that stars give off different colors. 
Now, I don't know what color the star gave off that was over the Lord, that was pointing mankind to him, but what I want to do is I want to look at the possibilities. I want to consider what really could have happened, or really what that star really could have been. And so the first color of light that a star gives off, it's blue. It's blue. Well, what blue would do would be to establish the deity of the child. Because, see, when it came time for the tabernacle, part of the tapestry in the tabernacle, part of the ephod that the priest would wear, would be blue. And it would have rich symbolism. Blue is symbolic of the skies and heaven. And we would be reminded that God is God over all of creation. God stands over the affairs of mankind, and he governs the affairs of mankind. You have to know that. You have to believe it. The Bible says it, but notice the importance of it. We're told in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that all things work together for the good. The only reason that all things work together for the good is because God is seated upon the throne, and he's governing the affairs of mankind. He's watching over his people, and the things that happen, as hard and as difficult that they might be, God is in control over all of them. I state it as a fact because the Bible does. I can't give you a whole lot of detail why God allows every little thing to happen. We've, we've got some people in our church that have been through some really heartbreaking things. Why does God allow that to happen? I don't know. But I find a confidence as I understand that he has allowed it to happen for the greater good of his plan. And again, as we see this blue, blue just reminds me that Jesus Christ is Lord God. He always was and he always will be. And really what that reminds me of is that as he always was, John refers to him as the word, that the plan always was for Christ to die upon the cross. And he always will be. As he died for my sins, he'll be there ever ready to make intercession for me, that never will I again be left in darkness. And so this star witness, it tells us here that this child, Jesus Christ our Lord, is God over creation, he's God over salvation, and sanctification. Creation, well, he inhabited the heavens when all that came to be, came to be. In Colossians chapter 1, we're told that he created absolutely everything. Everything that was created was created by him. It's the only thing, if you just look, if we look at creation, it's the only thing that makes sense whatsoever. How could everything that we see spring forth from absolutely nothing? There has to be that, that, that intelligent designer that exists that caused all of creation to come into being. So there was creation, but it only would go to follow after creation that he would truly be God over salvation. And I just use the illustration of although I was born... I needed to be born again. Even as God created me, God was able to recreate me. God was able to recreate me in his image. The cross, the cross was God's plan from heaven even before creation. Something doubting Thomas, well, he brought into question, but what was it that he saw in John chapter 20, verse 27 through 28? Jesus said, put your hands into the wounds, the wounds of the cross. And it was the wounds of the cross, just even looking at the wounds of the cross, that told him to be believing in who Christ was who stood before him. God's star witness, 
It also tells us that this child sits in the heavens as Lord over our sanctification. And what I mean by that, our sanctification, I mean our growth in our Christian life. I mean our understanding and and how we are to live a life that is well-pleasing and well-blessed by Him. Our sanctification, our sanctification is every day as I grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ that I become a brighter light able to shine for Him. That means that He's there, He's able to help me, that He will never leave me, He'll never forsake me. And as I see these things, I should grow strong in my confidence in Him. Acts 7.55 says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That was Stephen on the day that he was being stoned to death. But he understood that God, that God was there for him every step of the way. Now in Hebrews, we're told that Jesus went and he sat at the right hand of the Father. But now we're just told in the verse I just quoted, Acts 7.55, that he's standing He stands. When does he stand? He stands to receive his saints unto himself. And really, what greater Christmas gift is there knowing that one day I'm going to die? It's it's a reality. It's going to happen. But I have a Savior that is there prepared to receive me unto himself. The second color of light that a star gives off is white. This speaks of the righteousness or the absolute purity of the child. Here, God's star witness tells us that this child is special. He's different from all others. Now, starting at Genesis, even as I just said, that man, man is born to die. But this child, this child was born to be killed. This is why God needed to be incarnate or he needed to become a man. In his divine state, he could never die. He was absolute pure. And the price of sin could never be paid. He had to become man. And it's not that he sinned. But he took our sins upon him. And so everybody's destined to die. So the question is going to be is, where are you going to spend eternity? Now, as I'm destined to die because I'm a sinner, something had to happen if I was going to spend eternity with God. If anybody was going to spend eternity with God, I know the person that I am. You know the person that you are. You know the thoughts that you have and you know the deeds that you have done. God knows them as well. But he came and he paid this price for you. He set aside certain aspects of who he was, of of his divine nature, and came as a man, came as a bondservant. He came as a bondservant because of this great love that he had for humanity. This is for the purpose of opening the gates of heaven to us all. And so in his divine state, again, he could never die, but in his humanity, this is the only way he could take a sin upon himself and pay the price for us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A couple of weeks ago, about a week ago, my daughter came down from Washington State, which was good. I mean, I've been with her for, she's 30-some years old now, kind of getting a little old, getting a little tired of her, and she keeps coming back. But the beauty was is that she brought two little babies with her. She bought Malachi and Chris Mike. Malachi is a little bit over two. Chris Mike, I don't know if he's, he's a little over a year. My wife says one. So, but just those two babies. And it's amazing just to hold those babies in the perfection, you know, just how God has created them. And, and just to play with them and just to see them smile. 
to see them react and to see them discover new things. It's just an amazing thing to see in these little kids. And, but then to re- be reminded that Christ came into the world the very same way. He came into the world so that I can once again become as that little child in the sight of God. And, and as I'm holding that child and, and just the instinct that God has created us with to protect that child, to watch over that child and to care for that child, God has the same thing in his thoughts towards us. And again, this is an absolute pure God that has these thoughts. Thirdly, the third color of light that a star gives off is red. And this speaks of the purpose of this child. God's star witness tells us of the blood that will change the world. When you hear of the blood of the lamb, it's not so much you know, the physical blood that washes sins away. The idea behind the blood, the letting of blood, is the death. And it's the death of this child that was going to pay the price for sin. And John 18.1 says, When Jesus had spoken these world, words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, and there was a garden which his disciples, which he and his disciples entered. So Jesus is in the area of the temple, and now he's going up to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's just hours before his crucifixion. This was the Passover time, and there's probably those who discern those things, say about 200,000 lambs that are being slaughtered. Now, can you imagine 200,000, the production that had to be going on to get all of these lambs slaughtered in a day? And the idea is each one had to have its throat cut, and it had to bleed out. And there was this sewage system, if you will, this drainage that would drain from that area and drain out into the brook Kadron that would flow past the temple. And so here you have the Lamb of God who's about to take away the sins of the world. And as he passes over this brook, that brook had to turn into a brook of absolute blood. And you have this rich symbolism that is there, that he who has bled and bled for for all eternity, all humanity, now you have the one who is going to bleed for all of humanity. All of those lambs that have bled for the purpose of covering sin, now we have the one who is going to take away the sins of the world. All history is about to change. Isaiah 1.18, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It's the absolute purity that we have as we are covered by the blood or covered by the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last color that a star can give off is gold. And this speaks of the royalty of this child. God's star witness tells us that this child is destined to become the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And he will be seated upon the throne and govern all those who submit their lives to him. We looked at this verse on Thursday night, but in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, it says, for unto us, this is for unto all of mankind. See, Christ is presented for all, for all to make the decision. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born speaks of his humanity, unto us a son is given speaks of his deity. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David 
and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. And so God's star witness, it has spoken volumes throughout the ages. It was placed in a sky, and the reason it was placed in the sky was for all to see. Now, it was also placed in the Word of God. It was placed in the Word of God so that we would be reminded that we would see even tonight. That that star, whatever color it was, my guess is it probably encompassed all. It was illuminated. What was illuminating? What was below it? That mankind would come and gaze upon that child. And it's the same thing that happens every single time that we open up the Word of God and we speak. Because every time we open up the Word of God, whether you're sitting on your couch or at a church, we see this child. And as we see this child who became a man who was hung upon the cross, we make a determination, we make a decision. Who is this child? Who is this child to you? Every person will make that decision. Every person will make a decision who that child is. And it's going to boil down to one of two choices. He's either going to be Savior or he's going to be Judge. There's no other way. There's no middle ground there. And so as we look upon that child, as we make that determination who that child is, it speaks volumes of who we really are. And so those who are born-again believers tonight, there's no more star hung in the sky such as there used to be. But we are the stars. That star is no longer needed. We're the stars. We're the stars who've been called out to shine our lights for the Lord Jesus Christ. In a few minutes, the worship team can come up now. We're going to light the candle. And that candle, the candle, the light of that candle doesn't do any good unless we really understand that I hold responsibility in my hand. Now, as I hold that and I'm illuminating right here in the confines of this church, I have so much more responsibility as I go outside of these doors. And so what I want you to do as we go and we light our candles and this place is filled with light, it's going to start out with darkness. There's going to be a lone light here. We're going to turn the lights off on stage in a minute. We're going to turn the lights off over your head. And there's going to be one light. And I'm going to go down and I'm going to light Darlene's candle. And then I'm going to go down and I'm going to light Glory's candle. And then they're going to turn around and light the person next to them and behind them. And you're going to see this place filled with light. So that it's almost as illuminated to the degree that it is illuminated right now. And really what this needs to remind you of is that first light that came into the world. It lit so many others. And for 2,000 years, it has been illuminating all of creation. Now, is there anybody that needs a candle that would like one? one in the back there. Everybody good? Now, one thing for safety's sake, if you have a child, keep an eye on them. Number two, when we leave this place, even if you snuff out the flame, don't throw it in the trash can. There's two buckets, two orange Home Depot buckets that have some water in them. Just throw it in there. If you want to take it home with yourself, you're more than welcome to take it home but we do need to exercise wisdom here as well. (laughs) The little paper thing is, is so you don't burn your finger with the wax. 
Don't stick your hand in the fire and don't put the wax on your finger so you can peel it off and throw it all over the place either. Because I know how I am, I know how you are. Okay, if you guys could, go ahead and turn the lights off. Go ahead and turn them all off, Don. There we go. Once again, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, I just pray as we hold these lights that it be a reminder how we are to truly be that witness, that, Father, other people would come and see this light and partake of it. And, Lord, as this light goes from, from soul to soul in this place, that we would be reminded how one life is able to touch, one witness is able to touch so many. And so, Father, just bless our time here tonight. And I pray that this visualization would be an inspiration, not just to us, but to all we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. that went we filled this room notice how bright that is notice the heat that just comes from this little luminary that you're holding in your hand notice the possibilities there's just something well for a moment here we were in darkness I could barely see my way to get down the steps but now this light this building is filled with light and it's not even so much the candle that's in your hand that's just again an illustration the light that we are filled with is the Holy Spirit 
the Holy Spirit that powers our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 1, it says, verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and declared to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, and that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, if we live our lives in the light, reflecting Christ, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Go ahead and stand. Father, we just thank you that you have given us this evening, and I pray, Father, for those who are here tonight, that you would just go before them, that you would give them safety as they travel home. But I also pray, Father, that you would empower them, Lord, not only just to hold a candle here in this place, but again, to be that light out in this dark world. Lord, the world has gotten so much darker, but that's not a good thing, but that's okay because it's in darkness, and the darker the darkness is, the greater the light shines. And so, Father, enable us in our witness that we would glorify you, that, Father, we would be people who would reflect all that you have done and all that you continue to do. Lord, we just love you, and we just wish you happy birthday. Happy birthday, Lord, during this time when we celebrate your birthday but, Father, it's because we celebrate your birthday that we're able to celebrate our rebirth day. And so, Father, we just thank you, God, and we just praise you. And, Lord, I just even pray for this last song that we would truly have a heart to worship you to your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we have the lights back on? Um, you can put your candle out at a convenient time. Do not just blow the wax over the person in front of you. They may not appreciate that, although they'll probably remember the night. Um, tomorrow morning, we're going to be having our Christmas service, and that's going to close.